0: Shabbat shalom. We are, as you notice, near the end of the month, the fifth month of the year. Uh, Tammuz, as we call it, and we are about to end enter the month of Av. And it's worth mentioning that this Shabbat, around the world, synagogues are entering into this time of preparation for the very sad event, which is the 9th of Av, which will occur this year on the 13th of August. The 9th of Av, or Tisha B'Av, reminds us of Yerushalayim, Ha'ir HaKodesh, the holy city, In synagogues around the world, we read from Jeremiah chapter 1, where God declares to Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah the prophet, and to Israel, his everlasting love for her, even though the city is to be destroyed, even though the people are to be judged. And it wouldn't be long before the people of Israel would be crying in the words of Psalm 137, or in English in uh, in uh, Non-Masoretic Bibles 136. If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I cease to remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my chief joy. And many Jewish people will fast and they will pray and they will weep tears on Tisha B'av because the city of Jerusalem is still not the way it should be. The temple has not been rebuilt, despite the fact that after every daily prayer, after it is concluded, the Amidah concludes with, O Se shalom bim there is one final prayer, and that is that the Lord might rebuild Jerusalem speedily in our days, You cannot underestimate how important Jerusalem is and always has been to the people of Israel. Despite those who might claim it as their own, it has always been claimed by Israel and it has been given to Israel by the Lord. That maybe adds a little bit of um, passion to the story of Pinchas that Joel related to us from the Parsha this week, his zeal for the Lord. For our people, we have a zeal for the Holy City. Today, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 15. Ha'igeret shal sha'ul al ha'romin. Sha'ul, as he writes this epistle, is like any Jew. Not forgetting Jerusalem, Even though in his day the city stands, it is glorious. And he himself is accustomed to worship there when he is in Jerusalem. We find that for him, the concerns of Israel, the concern for God's plan for his people, which are so intricately tied to Jerusalem, are never far from his heart and from his thinking. It is not just Romans 9 to 11, but throughout the book we see his concern. However, chapter 15 tells us a lot also about how we ought to deal and live with one another. Rav Shaul, as we've been saying every week as we've gone through this epistle, is writing to a congregation that's fractured, where people have different opinions, and when they're arguing, and maybe not even sitting and eating together, they, they just are at odds. The Jews, the believers, the Gentile believers are, are not getting along, because there's been a lot of stress in their community. And Rav Shaul has turned their attention to Messiah. He's turned their attention to the fact that whichever party they might consider themselves part of, they themselves are equally sinners and saved and have come to a relationship with God the Father the same way. And so they are brothers and sisters. And in chapter 14, he has told them about the importance of bearing with one another. And this is how he concludes in chapter 15. The very first verses are actually a conclusion to chapter 14, where he says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of the powerless and not just please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, for building himself up. And Rav Shaul is speaking to this Kehilah in Rome. And he's saying, it's not all about you as individuals. It's not all about me. It's not all about any of us. None of us are to be self-centered in our following of Yeshua the Messiah. But we have to realize and we have to know that each one of us are members one of another. Just as Rav Shaul has said in Romans chapter 12, each one of us belong to each other, and we each affect one another more profoundly than we might actually realize. Sometimes, for various reasons, we might think, oh, I'm less powerful, I'm less influential, I'm less important than so-and-so, someone else in the kehila. But in reality, each of us affect one another profoundly. And each of us have a responsibility as a result to live for Hashem in a way that will lift the others up. Even if it means that we restrict our own freedoms and our own, our own uh, rights and even maybe restricting how we live, even though we think that there are certain things we can do, we may not do them if it is going to be destructive in the body of Messiah. We are encouraged to please our neighbor for his or her good, for building him or her up. And that is where we can all shine. Because all of us, Rav Shaul is saying, have the opportunity to build each other up. You know, we were talking on the way in. I drive in with my parents, I pick them up in Abbotsford and and drive into the Kehila on Shabbat. We were talking a little bit about our time of fellowship after the service, when we sit together and we eat with one another. And in some respects, that may cause problems once in a while, because maybe we get to know each other a little bit better than would it be comfortable, and we realize where we maybe are a little bit like iron, sharpening iron, and not everyone always gets along. But on the other hand, it is our tremendous opportunity as we fellowship together, as we sit with one another and as we eat, to be able to build one another up. To be able to put aside our own rights and our own thoughts and our own opinions, sometimes setting them aside so that we might be able to encourage one another because this is what the early Kehillah was like, the early Jesus-believing movement, before it was even called Kehillahs or churches or or even called Christianity, a term that came in in Antioch. They sat together. They ate together. They would eat together more often than we do, more than once a week. As we see in Acts chapter 2, They ate bread from house to house. You get the impression it was a regular thing. So you can be assured that sometimes individuals didn't get along. Sometimes individuals had their own agendas, their own beliefs, and their own opinions. But this is where God could work, because they were also able to learn to love one another. And just as Rav Shaul is saying should be the case in Rome, They are learning to build one another up. What an opportunity we have at our Kehillah to build one another up. It is for all of us that Rav Shaul is saying this. And he gives us this amazing example. For even Messiah did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insulted you have fallen on me. We have the example of Messiah, who laid aside it all. His privilege, his right. Did Messiah have to live according to Torah? Well, as the Son of God, he's not limited, but he lived according to the Torah that God made for Israel so that he might fulfill it. He did it for us. He lived in a human body restricting himself to three dimensions so that he might reach us so that he might be able to serve us tremendous example of service or or leadership through service yeshua limited himself almost to the extreme from infinite greatness to mere humanity so that he might reach our world what a great example He was insulted. Um, Those who insulted you, Rav Shaul says, have fallen on me. It all goes back to Yeshua. Rav Shaul always remembers him. For whatever we read in verse 4 was written before, was written for our instruction, so that through patience and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might... Have hope. We look upon Yeshua and we have hope. If he could do it, he is our great example. To some measure, we too can do it. We can be like him. It's the same message as in the book of Hebrews. We are told, look upon Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith. We look to him. We are inspired. We have hope. And this word hope is now going to be important in this chapter. We will see it coming up later. What Rav Shaul is talking about when he says we may have hope. It is a great hope that we have. So we see in Romans 15 verses 1 to 6, Rav Shaul saying, We ought to bear with one another. From there, he is going to go in verses 7 to 13 along the theme of how we ought to rejoice with one another. Until he goes through the rest of the chapter from verses 14 to 33, how we ought to commune with one another. And so we are encouraged to bear with one another we might look at it from a utilitarian point of view. We might say, okay, we, are, we ought to bear with one another so we can be a healthy community, so we can build one another up. But Rav Shaul actually has a really great picture in mind. It's far greater than just our Kehillah. In verses Verse 6, he tells us, May the God of patience and encouragement grant you to be like-minded with one another in the manner of Messiah Yeshua, so that together with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. This is going to bring glory to God. And I'm always remembered of that, reminded of that song by Keith Green, where he sings about how, what, how whatever crowns he might receive, whatever accolades he might receive in his service and his life for Messiah, how it is ultimately all for the glory of God. Andre Crouch, I remember him. He also sang on the, the same theme. Our, our, our um, accomplishments the accolades others might give us, all of them are for God, not for us. It is to the glory of God, our Father, the Father of our Lord Yeshua, HaMashiach. What a great privilege we have to bring glory to Him in the way we love and care one for another and build each other up. Sometimes We find each other a little bit of a challenge. But this is where we have the opportunity to rise to the occasion and to bring even greater glory to Messiah Yeshua. Because just as the Lord said, what great great blessing is it if if you just um, love those who love you? Is it not greater to love those who you may have a difference with? This is where we can really glorify our God and Father of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. So we are encouraged by Rav Shaul to bear with one another. But this is where we now see his picture enlarging. And he's broadening his scope because Rav Shaul does have God's plan for the world. And as we said earlier, for the people of Israel in mind. He is passionately concerned and passionately interested in the well-being of the Jewish members of this Kehilah. But now he's going to address the nations, those who have come into the Kehilah from all the nations. And Rav Sha'ul is excited in reality. In verses 7 to 13, he begins to talk about what God is doing among the nations. Therefore, accept one another just as Messiah also accepted you to the glory of God. For I declare that Messiah has become a servant for, to the circumcised for the sake of God's truth, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. There's something amazing that's happening here and that is that the nations are expected by Rav Shaul to glorify God because of what he is doing among his own people. Many people try to marginalize Israel in history, try to marginalize the Jewish people in what God is doing in the world, but Rav Shaul puts Israel in a peculiar place where God is glorified by what he is doing among Israel. Because it is through is to Israel that Messiah has become a servant to the circumcised. Messiah came, as we know, to Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, raised and lived and ministered in the Galilee and ultimately in Judea. Apart from his trip to Egypt for a few short years as, a, as an infant. His ministry was exclusively among his own people. He was reaching the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And is it because God loves Israel more than any other nation in the world? I think God has a peculiar role and a peculiar unique love for Israel. But God had a love and a desire to reach all the world through Israel. God cares for all nations of the world and love is not to be compared. You cannot say more or less. God loves the nations of the world. It is so that the nations, as God confirms his promises given to Israel, might glorify God for his mercy. And so Rav Shaul brings us a number of scriptures. And we're going to turn to them So if you want, please turn to Psalm chapter 18 and verse 49. Because the first scripture that Rav Shaul quotes is this. For this reason, I will give you praise among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. Psalm 18 and 49. When Rav Shaul quotes something, he doesn't just lift it out of context. That's why we need to go back and see why he is quoting this particular scripture. So starting at um, verse 47. Adonai lives, and blessed be my rock. Exalted be the God of my salvation. God, he gives me vengeance and subdues people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. Indeed, you lift me up above those who rise up against me. You deliver me from the violent man. Therefore, I praise you among the nations, Adonai, and sing praises to your name. Great victories he gives to his king. He shows loyal love to his anointed, to David and his seed forever. Rav Shaul is taking the scripture from a messianic psalm. It is a psalm that speaks of Yeshua and it speaks about what God is doing in the world through his Messiah, through his, unite, through his anointed one. Therefore, I praise you among the nations, Adonai, and sing praises to your name. Yeshua was always intended and always intended to reach the nations. Just as we read in Isaiah, it is too small a thing for you o, to be ruler of the tribes of Jacob, the Lord says to his servant. The second scripture is in Romans 15 and verse 10. And again it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. From there, let's turn to Devarim or Deuteronomy. Chapter 32 and verse 43, the people of Israel have been given a choice how you know, to, um, to either choose life or death, the way of life or the way of death. And then Moses has composed a song, the song of Moses. And now in Deuteronomy 32, verse 40. The Lord says, yes, I lift my hand up to heaven and say, as I myself live forever. When I sharpen my lightning sword and my hand seizes it in judgment, I will return vengeance on my foes and those who hate me, I will pay back. I will make my arrows drunk from blood and my sword will devour flesh. The blood of the slain and the captive, the head of the leaders of the enemy. Make his people rejoice, O nations, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will return vengeance on his foes and atone for the land of his people. It's a difficult picture. It's a picture of judgment. It's a picture that points us towards the last days when God will intervene on the part of Israel and he will defend Israel and the nations will be asked to rejoice because of what God is doing in his world. God is concerned for Israel, and the nations too are to rejoice in what God does as he defeats Israel's enemies. The next one is a more familiar scripture, Psalm 117, and verse 1. In Romans chapter 15, Rav Shaul quotes, Praise Adonai, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Which is exactly what we read in this chapter, the shortest chapter of all scripture. Praise Adonai, all you nations, glorify him, all you peoples. Psalm 117, verse 2. For great is his loving kindness toward us. And Adonai's truth endures forever. Hallelujah. Who is us here? Us is Israel. The psalmist is a member of Israel. But it's something for all the nations to rejoice in, to glorify the Lord in, and to be blessed by. Because God's blessing of Israel, as Rav Shaul has already said in Romans chapter 11, is blessing for all the world. If the falling down of Israel should bring blessing to the world, as it has with the gospel going to all nations, how much greater will the restoration of Israel to God be but life from the dead? This is something for the nations to rejoice in. This is something for us all to rejoice in, whether Jewish or Gentile, that God is promising to do something great in our world He will bless Israel and all the nations of the world will be blessed. It is an exciting prospect that we are looking forward to. And it brings us to the next scripture that Rav Shaul quotes from Isaiah. There shall be a shoot of Jesse and the one who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles hope. We find this in the book of Isaiah chapter eleven and verse ten. We also know it from Jewish prayer because every in every prayer there is a remembrance and a prayer that God might restore the fallen tall fallen tent of Jesse, Isaiah chapter eleven and verse ten. The prophet says, it will come about in that day that the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will seek for him and his resting place will be glorious. You know, when we look back at the history of the early church, we see that it was an amazing time when the gospel spread like lightning across the Roman Empire. And house fellowships in various provinces from Ethiopia to Rome itself and north into Gaul were beginning to worship the God of Israel. It was a spontaneous movement that God was doing. And in that very early day, there was no argument that this was a New people of God. No one was saying that we are different than those Jews. They were very, very tied to that early believing leadership of Israel in Jerusalem. They were very closely tied to the Jewish believers who had first come to faith and who were giving their lives as 11 out of the 12 Talmudim did. To bring the good news to the world, to the world outside of the people of Israel. There was a real understanding of the place of Israel in God's plan and what was happening in those days, but the church was growing phenomenally. People were being reached. Because there wasn't what we call this replacement theology going on where the church was saying it is all about us. But they were saying, in effect, it's all about God and what he plans. And if God should, in his sovereign will, choose Israel, as he says, not because Israel was the greatest of the nations in the world. He makes it very clear. But if God in his sovereign will chose Israel to reach the world, so be it. We will glorify God and we will live according to his plan. And we will bring the good news to the nations according to his plan. It wasn't until after the destruction of the temple and later on the destruction of Jerusalem in 135 that the church turned on its heels against the people of Israel and said, well, we are those who have accepted Messiah, and you, the Jews, have not accepted him, and therefore you are judged, and we have replaced you. That was a telling moment. And from then on, the church did not grow the way it should in the world until fascinatingly, and I'm giving you my view of history here, until the church, after the Reformation, began to turn back to the truth of Scripture. And it is with the, the realization in the 1800s, in England, of all places, that God has a plan for Israel, and God cares for the Jewish people and God does intend to restore Israel's fortunes once again, it is at that very time that the gospel explodes around the world once again. And the United Kingdom and, and uh, Reformed European countries send their missionaries to the four corners of the earth. That is when God begins to work again when the church understands what Rav Shaul is saying here in Romans chapter 15, just as he says to rejoice, O Gentiles, that the Gentiles ought to rejoice because God is still faithful to Israel. Rav Shaul's got a double-edged sword here in a sense. He's both embracing what God is doing among the nations, Rav Shaul sees this as an inseparable part of what God is doing with Israel. What God is doing is something far beyond Israel, but Israel is part of it. All the nations ought to rejoice. The congregation in Rome ought to rejoice that so many of them are not of Israel by birth. So many of them have come from the various nations of the world. And as we've said before, being Rome, it is the capital city. And will have people from around the world living there, from all nations. And here they are worshipping the Lord together. And they ought to rejoice that so many of them are Gentiles, that so many of them are of the nations. But at the very same time, the scriptures that he is choosing, Our scriptures about what God is doing for Israel. God's faithfulness to Israel, his faithfulness to the patriarchs. It is an amazing thing. Today, we can rejoice that God is reaching the entire world. And we can rejoice that this hope for Israel has been embraced by many people in the church in the last two centuries. God is bringing his promises to fulfillment. But this is where we see hope once again coming to the surface in Romans chapter 15. Remember, we mentioned hope earlier on. Now, the quotation from Isaiah ends with, In him shall the Gentiles hope. The word Gentiles, by the way, is an English word. But it translates a Greek word which is ethnos or ethne. An ethne is a people, an ethnic group. It is not a nation, that's a a modern concept. Uh, When we think of nations with borders, that is more of a European way of thinking about the world. But in biblical times, people fought of peoples, of ethnic groups, people groups around the world. And here we are today in our Kehillah. We are members of one people group, which is Canada, but we are also members of various people groups from around the world. And God says, let us all rejoice. God rejoices in who we are. And he rejoices in the nations whom he is reaching, rejoicing in him, hoping in him. In him shall the nations, the ethne, the Gentiles rejoice. In him shall the nations hope. And this is verse 13 then, as Rav Shaul ends this short section of scriptures where he is Talking about hoping in what God is doing in our world. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and shalom in trusting. I know some translations say faith in trusting, so you may overflow with hope in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. The people in Rome, these believers, are part of a radical community. They don't realize how radical it is. But God is doing something amazing in the world, and he is about to turn the world upside down. And it may seem like a long time to us, 2,000 years, but the world is continuing to be turned upside down as the good news of Messiah reaches around our globe. We have hope. God is doing great things in our world. We have hope in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. And so the Kehilah in Rome, and we as a Keilah have much to hope in. We are hoping and looking forward to that day when Messiah comes, when he takes his place in Jerusalem, And when he rules the nations of the world. And then we all from whatever nation, whether Israel or any other nation in the world, will together be worshipping him. In him shall the nations of the world rejoice. It is going to be a wonderful day when we are all united in acknowledging Messiah, the King of Kings. And so this is where Rav Shaul goes for the rest of the chapter, because now he is going to talk about how we commune with one another. We commune with our uh, with the offering of the nations in verses fourteen to twenty one. Rav Shaul wants to commune with the believers in Rome, and he wants to commune with the saints of the kedoshim in Jerusalem. So Rav Shaul says in verse 14, as he talks about communing with one another, that he is convinced about the Romans. My brothers and sisters, he says, my brothers and sisters that you are, or brethren in, in most translations, that you are, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and also able to counsel one another. But I have written rather boldly to you on some points as a reminder because of the grace given to me by God to be a servant of Messiah Yeshua to the Gentiles in priestly service to the good news of God so that the offering up of the Gentiles might be pleasing, made holy by the Ruach Kodesh. Rav Shaul sees himself as someone with an amazing calling because he has been called, as he said in the very first verses of this epistle, to be the shliach, the messenger. And The word apostle obscures that, uh, that messenger meaning. And he has been called to be the messenger, the shliach, the emissary of God to the nations. And it's not just that he thinks this is where God wants me to serve. But Rav Shaul realizes that by God turning his attention to the nations, that something amazing is happening. Never before have the nations been reached like this by God. Until Messiah came, the nations needed to see Israel and the way they live as a testimony to God being in the world, to a testimony to God, as a testimony to God's righteousness. The nations were to see God working in Israel. But now the nations were themselves to turn to God and directly worship Him themselves. And Rav Ja'ul is part of this amazing change where God is reaching the world. And He is saying, each of you come to Him, come to me. And worship me. Rav Shaul is part of this end of day's time. When the whole world comes to Messiah. So that the offering up of the Gentiles might be pleasing. Made holy by the Ruach HaKodesh. It is an amazing calling that Rav Shaul has. To be reaching the nations. And so in verses um, 17 following. He says, In Messiah Yeshua, I have reason to boast before God. For I will not dare to speak of anything except what Messiah accomplished through me, to bring about the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem and even to Illyricum, I have proclaimed the good news of Messiah. In this way, I make it my aim to proclaim the good news, not where Messiah was already named, lest I build on another person's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. Rab Shaul is in an amazing, pivoting pivotal point in history. He is the man that God has raised up to reach the nations. And so he says to the people of Rome, I really don't prefer to go to a place where others have already preached the gospel, or others have already started planting congregations of people faithful to the Messiah. He doesn't particularly like to build on another person's foundation. And it's not because he likes to have everything his way and to form congregations according to his own particular likings. It is because he wants to be reaching those who have never heard. It's because he sees that there is a great void, a great need, a great vacuum where there needs to be light. Where the truth needs to rush in and people need to hear about God the Messiah. This is why ministries like the Wycliffe Ministry that brings the Bible into people's languages around the world, um, reaching ever smaller and more obscure people groups with translations of the scriptures in their own language. This is why what they are doing is also so pivotal and so amazing as they bring the good news to those who have never heard. This is an amazing thing that Rav Shaul is, is doing, bringing the good news to those who have not heard and who have not understood. And so now Rav Shaul is hoping to go to Rome. He is going to go to a place where someone else has laid the foundation. People he knows have gone to Jerusalem, have gone to the city of Rome. They have gone and preached and returned, and there have been teachers going back and forth. He's not the first by any means, but he's writing to them because he sees an issue. They are not caring for the Jewish believers in their midst. But he says in verses 22 to 29 that he does desire nevertheless to come to Rome. For this reason, I was often hindered from coming to you, but now with no place in these regions, and since I've had a desire for many years to come to you, I hope to see you while traveling through when I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. If first, I may enjoy your company for a bit. You know the geography. Israel is on the east end of the Mediterranean. Spain is on the far west of the Mediterranean, And smack in the middle, you have Italy. And to get from one end to another, Rav Shaul is going to have to pass at least near to Italy. And so he is on his journey to Spain. He wants to go to a place where the gospel has not yet been preached, where people don't know about Messiah, Yeshua. But on the way, he wants to speak to them. He wants to advocate for his people. He wants to share the very truths that he has been sharing through the epistle that he has written to them. And so this is going to pave the way. And he is writing boldly to them so that they might know exactly what he believes. And so he is hoping that he might go there and that they might even help him on his way to Spain and that he might be able to continue his ministry to the lost. But once again, his concern is also for Jerusalem. And we see that before he goes to Spain, stopping at Rome on the way, he wants to go to Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem, he says, bringing aid to the Kedoshim, the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. These are regions close to Greece. Macedonia is today a separate area as it was then. And these are Greek-speaking areas where the gospel has already gone forth. And these people in Macedonia and Achaia have made an offering and prepared an offering for him to bring to Jerusalem. And he says that their contribution is for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. Romans 15, verse 27. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and they are under obligation to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to serve them in material blessings. So when I have finished delivering the collection safely to them, I will head for Spain by way of you. Now I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Messiah. Rav Shaul cares for his people. He cares for Jerusalem. We know from the book of Acts that his trip to Jerusalem on this occasion was one that was uh, very important to him. And we believe this is the very trip to Jerusalem where Rav Shaul ended up being imprisoned and found himself going to Rome courtesy of the Roman Empire with free passage as a prisoner. Going to see the emperor to find out whether or not he would die. Because there is only one, one option when you went to see the emperor. You either lived or you died. Appealing to Caesar was something that you only did if you wanted a yes or no answer. So we don't, you know, we don't know exactly. Uh, For sure, but we're pretty certain that this is the occasion. Rav Shaul going to Jerusalem and finding himself traveling to Rome as a prisoner. The last few verses we read in verses 30 to the end of the chapter. Now I urge you, brethren, through our Lord Yeshua the Messiah and through the love of the Ruach, to press on together with me, with prayers to God on my behalf. Pray that I might be rescued from the unbelieving Judeans, and that my service for Jerusalem might be acceptable to the Kedoshim, the saints. Then, God willing, I may come to you in joy, and together with you find rest. Now may the God of Shalom be with you all. Amen. Rav Shaul was one who wanted to commune with the believers in Rome, and indeed We're sure that he did eventually. And he is planning to go to Rome to speak to them before he goes to Spain. He asks for their prayers. He asks for their communion. He asks for their concern for him. But he's given them a great example and he's given them a great message that they ought, first of all, to care for God and what he is doing among the nations What he is doing in their very own congregation as people from the nations come to faith. And that their service for God, their communion, their love one for another will bring glory to the God of all the earth. All the nations are to rejoice in what God is doing. And so it is that we rejoice as a Kehillah in what God is doing. Because today we are in historic time. We look at the newspaper, we can newspapers on the web or wherever we get our news, and we can see that history is marching on and that God is working in our world. And we can see that God is at work and we can be encouraged to rejoice in what God is doing because all of the events that are occurring are according to God's plan and bring us closer and closer to that day when Messiah will sit on the throne of King David. Let's conclude in prayer. Avinu Sheva we thank you for the privilege of worshiping you today, both Jews and Gentiles, in your presence together, rejoicing in what you are doing, in your faithfulness to each one of us, in your faithfulness to Israel, in your faithfulness to all nations of the world through whom you are or whom you are going to bless and are blessing through your faithfulness to the people of Israel. We thank you, Lord, for this very messianic movement of which we are a part, which is a sign that shows that you are working mightily among your people in this age, like in no other age before. We thank you, Lord, that you are a mighty and glorious King. We look forward to the return of your Son, Yeshua, soon, And we say, even so come, Lord Yeshua. Amen.